0: Scotiabank aims to help advance women-led businesses with access to capital, education, and mentorship. To learn more, visit scotiabankwomeninitiative.com. I said, sure, let's chat over coffee. With Export Development Canada, risk doesn't stop you. EDC, take on the world.
1: You're listening to The Thrive Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, where we help women entrepreneurs start and build thriving businesses. On The Thrive Podcast, we connect you with leading experts, entrepreneurs, and organizations that provide capital, mentorship, training, tools, and other support to help you make your vision a reality even faster. This podcast is presented in partnership with Business Development Bank of Canada and Scotiabank. Make your way over to startupcan.ca forward slash podcasts to subscribe to the Thrive community and subscribe to listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Google Play Music. Finally, we'd love for you to rate this podcast and leave a review on iTunes for the chance to have it read on air. We want these shows to impact as many people as possible and your reviews will help us get there. I'm your host, Komal Minhas, founder of Corespace, your one-stop shop for all things work, wellness and impact. Visit kaur.space to find out more. I'm also the producer of Dream Girl, the documentary film showcasing the lives of inspiring and ambitious female entrepreneurs that we premiered at the Obama White House. I'm so happy to be here today. Welcome to the show. Kara Morgan is the Chief Operations Officer, Lead Innovator, and Process Architect of Planet Outsourcing Solutions and Planet Solar Blinds. Kara has more than 20 years of experience implementing business management processes and systems in the public and private sectors and for entrepreneurs and their businesses. Through her previous roles as an analyst, project support, and senior administrator, Kara has gained unique exposure to business functions and has used these experiences to fuel her career as an entrepreneur. At Planet Outsourcing Solutions, Kara and her team work with businesses to uncover operational inefficiencies and gaps in processes to replace chaos with order. By approaching problems holistically and beginning at the source of these issues, Kara builds strong foundations so, organiza- so organizations can regain control over their time, workflow, efforts, and earnings. In addition to building innovative solutions and processes, Kara's Planet Comfort optimization blinds help sustain comfortable temperatures for workers and their equipment, reducing operating costs and increasing productivity and comfort at work. Kara is a certified project manager and certified technical writer. She believes the key to efficiency and productivity is using the right person and the right tools in the right way at the right time. And her innovative planet blinds are used by establishments such as Toronto Pearson, Lambton College, and the National Research Council. Welcome to the show, Cara. Thank you.
2: I'm glad to be here.
1: I always love starting off with a great origin story. So, can you tell us a little bit about what inspired you to jump into entrepreneurship and dive into the deep end with owning your own business?
2: Well, it was several things. Um, One of the main things was I became a mother again um, with my second son. And just having a full-time job and trying to juggle a schedule and a nine-to-five with a small child is uh, almost impossible for most people. It can be quite overwhelming. So the best solution for me was to... um, find work or at least create my own environment where I could control my schedule and my time and still have the ability to go to school with him and um, do things at his school, volunteer and whatnot. The second reason um, was because I worked with the government for almost nine years and in that environment, I saw a lot of inefficiencies, a lot of waste and a lot of frustration um, with the people there because either they didn't know how to use um, some of the technology that was there av- was available or we just didn't have it. Um, as, as you know, governments usually get things later than everybody else when it's uh, when tech is concerned. So um, that was that was primarily it just uh, wanting to be in a situation where I could use my skills and my abilities and have that flexibility and do work that wasn't wasteful and uh, frustrating and unproductive.
1: Thank you for sharing that. And I'd love to know more about the inspiration behind Planet Outsourcing. So what made you know that this is what you wanted to offer? What makes you so passionate about reducing inefficiency?
2: Well, it seemed like every job that I was in, I always found ways to do things faster or um, find ways of Um, managing workload that was efficient. So where other people would see problems or issues, I would always say, oh, you know, you could do it this way. And I was like, oh, okay," because a lot of times when you're in something, when you're in the thick of something, you don't often see, you know, solutions or you're just used to doing things a certain way. So you don't often see that there's another way to do it. Or you might just be comfortable doing that, doing things the same old way. And because I was often a fresh eye in these situations, um, or I was the person that developed the, the position, so it would be a brand new position, and I was the person that had to step into it and set it up, That's, that was pretty much, I would say, eight out of ten times the case. Um, it was easy for me to use what they have and see where there were ways that I could uh, make it better or look at something that somebody was doing or the way that something was being done and say, oh, okay. well, you know, there's also this way and it might save you some steps.
1: And when it comes to when someone's maybe thinking themselves and reflecting on operational inefficiencies or gaps in workflow or process, it can feel really intimidating, especially when that's not your skill set. So what advice do you have for people who are maybe struggling with this issue right now and don't know where to start?
2: Well, I mean, you you kind of have to take a step back and look at the big picture. So, what are all of the things like? What are all of the components that are going into this uh, this process or this, um, this product or service? Um, you got to look at your people, their strategy behind it, your vision, your values, and what you want to get out of the whole the whole process. And once you cover all your bases, you know, if you're um, being, uh, open-minded and, and really trying to, um, look at things in a broad sense, you know, sometimes those gaps will kind of stick out, stick out for you. Um, and you're, you know, you're able to see it with a wide lens. Other times you just kind of have to go through the process and, you know, you know, something isn't right. And a lot of times it's just a matter of mapping it out, just, you know, either using, um, A lot of people like to use sticky notes or writing it down or um, brainstorming with somebody else that's objective, that, you know, that's not really um, married to the process or, you know, intimately um, involved in the process and and just kind of get a sense of, you know, step by step what's going on. And when you break it down in a step by step fashion, you can usually see if there's overlap or, or if there are gaps or holes or if there's something just completely off, or just sometimes, if you know, there's a better way that you can you can do things.
1: So it's really taking that step back, looking at everything from a bird's eye view, or as you like to uh, say, holistically, from that from that place of looking at the full picture, and then potentially bringing someone external in, and not getting too particular about the solution, because sometimes it can be. Really hard for people to actually implement the solutions. Have you had, um, what, what have your experiences been like with your clients? Have they been like fully on board once you've figured out the gaps and, and the different pieces and, and ready to jump in? Um, what's that been like for you?
2: I think naturally as humans, there's always some kind of hesitation when you mention the word change, right? It's just a natural reaction, like, oh, you know, (laughs) what do you mean change? What do you mean I have to do things differently? So that's not unusual. Um, But one of the things that that I do, uh, which is also part of my background, is change management. And that really starts out with um, people being aware of what the problem is. Because unless, you know, there's a problem or that there's, you know, something not quite right, it's, it's very hard to fix it. You know, it's kind of like um, you're driving your car and, you know, you hear a noise and you don't know what the noise is. You can't really go and take it into the mechanic and go, well, I heard a noise. They're going to go, well, <laughs> OK, <laughs> there are lots of noises. So you kind of have to nail it down and have that awareness of kind of where things are, are, are going off the rails and, um take it from there and, you know, and um, yeah, just take that that approach um, to acknowledge that okay something needs to be done and the other part of that is readiness you have to be in a state of readiness um to do something about it and some of that comes with um, with training um knowing that you have the skill or the knowledge to make the change and the other part of it is that having that desire so you know they kind of they they kind of have to go together. Um, so part of what we would do is make sure that they have those resources and that training um, to make that the next step over to to make the change, and also that they're ready to to do that. And sometimes that's the painful part because um, you you don't want to change, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. comfortable where you are, um, but knowing that there's a better. Outcome, knowing that there's a rainbow at the end of the <laughs> at the end of the chaos, is usually kind of what tips people over and gets them on board because they can see that, okay, what we've showed you, what this could possibly look look like for you, is definitely better than the situation that you're in now that's causing you discomfort, or causing you um, pain, or costs, costing you money, one of those things.
1: I feel like as humans, you know, we do have this aversion to change. But when we when we get to a point where the pain, you know, gets they always say like when it hurts enough, you will pay attention. Yes. Um, so when those pain points really start feeling in every part of the company or in that department, that's really when when a lot of people become ready. Is that what you've noticed?
2: Exactly. We typically get calls when the house is already burnt down. And. <laughs> And then people want to buy insurance and it's actually it's too late then, right? <laughs> so yeah, that's typically what it is. It's like things have gone so wrong that they they absolutely have no no more answers. They can't band aid it anymore, they can't, you know, explain it away. It's just really bad and they know they need some help now. So it's kind of like that, um, like that addiction scenario where somebody has an addiction or a problem and, you know, and it's not until they end up naked on the sidewalk somewhere that they say, Oh, you know, (laughs) I'm not handling this well. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So for those who are listening, who might start be feeling twinges of that pain, but aren't necessarily prioritizing it yet, like what advice would you have to, to shift things before the house burns down? What are the red flags that people could be paying attention to?
2: Well, typically um overwhelmed like if you're feeling overwhelmed and out of control or you just cannot get things done you can't get things done the way you used to um because all of the the uh, mechanisms or the tricks that you used to use they're not working anymore um that's one one flag and that typically happens when you start to grow so it's you can you know manage a handful of clients or a handful of um um, a handful of uh, duties or tasks, easily when it's just, you know, a few. But once you start to grow and you're getting dozens or, you know, hundreds of things to do or hundreds of people that um, that are clients for you or customers, it's not that easy to manage that anymore, right? So that's one red flag is overwhelm. Um, if you're, your, your costs start to go up, um, but you're doing the same thing, that's another red flag. That's usually something operational that's not um, working efficiently. Um, if you're having to do a lot of repetition, so you're doing the same thing over and over, um, but you know that there's a way that you know you can do it one time and get the same result. And sometimes you don't know that, but you know that you know you're you're doing a lot of rework, like you're you're backtracking a lot. Um, sometimes that's part of the process. But if it's excessive, that's just um, inefficiency and um, not very productive. Um, Another flag, um, and this is probably the one that would stand out most to people, is if you're seeing a lot of bottlenecks or if you're firefighting on a daily basis. So bottlenecks are um, like, let's say you're in a manufacturing um, facility and there's one part of the process where everything has to shut down, like the machine shut down, the production shuts down, people shut down, because they're waiting on either a product or a department or something to be done in the back end or in the administration side, that's a bottleneck. So it's, it's a, a part of your process where everything just kind of uh, gets um, stuck and congested and nothing else can happen until that thing is cleared up until the, you know, kind of the road widens and the traffic jam kind of clears up. Um, that's the bottleneck. Firefighting is just, you know, you're always handling emergencies. Something always comes up. You're not prepared for it ever. And, you know, you have to put out that fire before you can get on with your regular um, tasks. Uh, and then, you know, for, for people, some people, it happens every day. And that's a sign that y- you need to put some systems in place or some processes in place that can um, alleviate some of those um, fires or, or get to them before they even start. So
1: from what I hear, uh, from what you shared, it can sometimes mm. be as though um, the folks that you're working with, um, it becomes a burning house because they might not either know how to ask for help. Or there could be an issue where they feel like they should be able to have this figured out or have the skill set to figure this out. How, what mm-hmm. Could you speak to those people in the audience who might just be feeling that shame factor around like, <laughs> I am the owner of this business, I should be able to handle this, but actually might need to just ask for help from someone like you?
2: Yeah, I think what happens a lot of times, sometimes it's that people don't want to ask for help. And I think as entrepreneurs, we all have that disease at one point or another in our journey, um, and it's not that you don't want to ask for help; it's just you feel that you can do everything yourself. I think just about everyone I know has been, you know, has has gone through that, and you just have to get over it um, if you want to grow. Um, but the other other times, it's just you don't know what you don't know, and sometimes you know something might be going wrong, and you really don't know what the source of it is, or you know, why things are happening that way. Or you might just be used to it being like that and you just kind of, you know, shrug your shoulder and go, well, you know, that's the way it is. That's the way it always been. And if you've, and not to generalize, but if you've been in business a long time before this whole technology boom, that might be the case because, you know, you you really um, become industrious at finding ways to do things and making do with what you have, especially when you start out, you are know, bootstrapping or, you know, when you're trying to get your, your um, income going, um, you, you find ways of doing things um, just, to, just to get from point A to point B. So sometimes it's just that you don't know, you know, that something's wrong or no, you don't know what you don't know. Um, so, I mean, the way to get past, I mean, it's n- not anything to be really ashamed of per se. Um, like I said, it's it's pretty typical. It's pretty common. Um, but there comes a point where you really gotta do a gut check and you know something isn't right, or your employees are telling you something isn't right, or the people that um, you're working with are saying something isn't right. But there you know there are usually flags somewhere along the way, and someone or something will jolt you into reality. And you know you'll realize that okay, I gotta fix this or I have to do something about this or you're kind of at a standstill. Business isn't moving. You know you're putting in all this effort, and you're getting a big goose egg. Nothing's coming out of it. So something is not right if that's the scenario.
1: I think that's so refreshing for so many of us entrepreneurs to hear: is ask for help. It's okay if you don't know how to do it, and Mm -hmm. it's okay to to bring someone in to help you do it because um, mm-hmm. I feel like that's where a lot of people can get lost or stuck and then team morale goes down and productivity yeah. goes down. So can Absolutely. you share a little bit about your holistic approach to um, increasing operational efficiency? That, What does that include? What is that uh, inclusive of?
2: Well, basically, if you're doing things holistically, I think I mentioned before, you're looking at all the aspects of your operations. So um, you know, who's doing what, you know, how you're doing it. What's your big picture? Like, why did you get into this business in the first place? What is your why? And you really need to build your vision around that, around that why and the value system that goes along with that. And once you've covered all of those bases, you know, sometimes the potential for gaps um, would stand will stand out for you and you can um determine where you are and where you want to be from that you know from that standpoint and then how you're gonna how you're gonna get there but you really need to have that big overall picture and really be uh laser focused on why you're doing this thing in the first place because there's so many distractions you know when you're, when when you're an entrepreneur, it is, you know, the shiny object syndrome, you can get pulled in so many different directions. And I don't know about you, but you know, there's always somebody trying to sell you something, you know, you need, I get a million emails, you know, over, you know, daily, you know, do you want your website done? Can we do your marketing? (laughs) It's just just endless. And um, if you're not really firm on, you know, what it is you do and you know how you're going to do it. You can get really distracted by all of those things because somebody always has a really great idea um, for you and your business. But it's really um, up to you to kind of put it into perspective and really ask yourself, well, you know, is this really what we need? Is this really going to help us in the big in the big scheme of things?
1: This earlier this week, uh, my team and I we were all together in Toronto. We're a remote team, and we were doing uh, a re dive into our brand identity again. And Mm -hmm. um, the head of product and the head of of marketing, they both just kind of sat me down and it was interview style. And it was like, what is like, let's go back into the why. And I just feel like coming back to it over and over again, as you said, is just so critical. Because if the owner operator, if if the head of the company isn't so deeply connected to the why, then the rest of the team can't be. And that why Mm -hmm. is actually ready, or in my opinion, is what what can help you say yes to asking for help even faster because you know the bigger mission is so much more important than your own ego
2: that's it exactly i mean your 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 why is your, your your reason for being and you know you can build your value system around that you can build your story your story is is really you you know the 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 hinge pin is that what it is hinge pin? of Lynch, your why yeah, linchpin yeah. yes I forget that right yes it's 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 really you know the core of of your why and if you're able to relay that to staff or you know to your audience to your your um, market then you know it's 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 a clear picture not only are they clear on what it is that you you're doing and why but you know you're clear on what it is you on what it is you're on what you're doing, and that guides your your direction. It, it keeps you, um, like I said, laser focused on on where you want to go and how you want to how you want to get there.
1: So, could you share any high level examples, like no naming names, of um, <laughs> clients or case studies that just made brought you so much joy because it was you in your zone of genius and the company mm-hmm. really becoming even better at what they do?
2: Um, there was one of the first jobs we did was for um, a company called uh, Wellspring. Um, they treat ca- cancer patients. Um, so they, they, their support system for them and um, they give them a really comfortable s- setting for, you know, for um, when they're they're in treatment, and for you know having a quiet place to go and and just heal. And it was it, it's special because it was one of the first jobs we we did, and they actually won. It was a door prize, and they actually won um, the service from us. But I really enjoyed doing it because it was all of the things that I like to do. So we went in, and um, we organized the office, put in a filing system so uh, set it up in a way that would help them just grab things easily and why that was important is because the owner at the time or the I think she was the director pardon me at the time was constantly firefighting and having a very hard time getting uh, her hand on material that she needed um, you know to be productive in her work and just putting um, the filing system together, um, getting rid of a several manual processes that was just really time-consuming and a real drain on, you know, the volunteer staff that was there and, and herself as well. Um, was I, I love doing stuff like that? It sounds really nerdy, but
1: <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I can feel like the the excitement around it, and it makes me excited.
2: It does, because then you you can see the outcome, right? You can just see the weight lift off people's chest. Like, you see the relief, like, oh, you know, this used to take me 10 hours, and now it's taking me 30 minutes. Like, it was one of those moments. And, you know, it's it's a really good feeling because um, you can see yourself getting so much more done and um, just helping that many more more people. And one of the things that I really liked about it was just creating the forms. Like, they, they were... Um, when they, they were doing intakes, they had a handwritten form that the the client would fill out and then the admin person would try to read it and a lot of times they <laughs> can't read it <laughs> and and then put it in a computer and then that would go in a database and it was like a five-step process. And we did something really simple. Um, we made an electronic form that people could fill out online online. Um, and it would go into the database automatically because the, the form is attached to a database in the back end. And the the information was just was captured. And the, if they could, the person filled it out for themselves. That was kind of the idea that they would do it themselves because they know how to spell their names. They know their address and their phone totally. number. Right. Yeah. And so it would just go in, and there would be minimal mistakes unless they made a typo or whatever. Instead of this person trying to read off that after the fact, when the the, the person is no longer there, sitting in front of them, right? Um, so there was this, you know, poor handwriting, or you know, sometimes people have um, motor issues because of the treatment. Um, you know, you 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 can't really write stuff properly. So, anyways. Um, Just being able to cut down those steps from, you know, five or six to two was, you know, a huge, a huge uh, saving time saving um, step for them. Because, you know, like I said, they could just help that many more people and um, cut back on, on some of the files that were sitting around needing to be done by, you know, the volunteers. So, yeah, I like doing stuff like that. <laughs> like
1: that. <laughs> and I feel like it's so tangible. Uh, one thing that I know I love about myself is when, uh, or that I love myself is when you can feel the outcome and you can see the tangible outcome and you're like, yes, that was a win. That, yes. like, we, we handled that. That was great. And I feel like those are a lot of the outcomes that you get from your work.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like I said, you can just see like you know 100 pounds lifting on people and it's just like what you know it just makes uh, such a a big difference i'll tell you a quick side story sure. i bought i haven't bought a, a a vacuum cleaner in a while this was like a couple of years ago we had the same vacuum cleaner for i don't know like seven years it was a long time because they make them so well right the same thing yeah. with the iron so I bought a new one, and I couldn't believe how much more stuff it was picking up. It was just unreal. I'm like, oh my god, all this time, because you know you go over the same spot like five times, and it's like, okay, you know, you think that's just how the vacuum is until you get one that does it in one swipe, and it's like, oh my god, what have I been missing all this? Time? That is the best analogy I feel like for no. what you do. <laughs> it's just like, oh, you know, I could have saved it like half of my life. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's incredible so to go from that so on point mm-hmm. analogy <laughs> mm-hmm. I I feel like your experiences with these uh, with the companies and organizations you were working with um, lent itself to the next product you created can you tell us a little bit about what inspired getting into solar blinds and what that process of getting into actually a physical product has been like
2: Wow well, uh, the solar blinds came about um... It was through a client, actually. I was on site setting up um, a client, uh, their back office, and the blinds, um, I forget how they came about, but um, I got the information, I think it was from one of the walk-ins, about these blinds, and I decided to investigate and contact the um, owner of the product, and um, just inquire about distribution and and found out that there there was really very few people up here that were selling this product. And I thought, "Oh, you're kidding." And I thought, you know this would be a perfect addition to um, what we're doing now because efficiency just isn't uh, um your your work and technology, and you know the tools that you use. It's also your environment. So the blinds, what they do is they, they're they a solar blind product, but they're not like your regular blinds. They're actually transparent. Um, so when they're engaged, it still allows in 90% of the sunlight, but it blocks 92% of the UV rays. Um, and the beauty of it is that it's coated with an eco-friendly PVC material that allows it to lower your heating costs by about 40%. And it does this in the summer by blocking the rays so they don't get into the room and in the winter by absorbing the rays um, so that they heat up the space and that has to be done in um, like we would come in and reverse them if necessary if you can't reach them Um, but it's so important for uh, employees or you know just people that are if you're in a, a commercial space or a home setting if you get too hot or too cold it's very hard to function Especially when you're working and either you're freezing or you're sweating, you know, like you're in a sauna, it's very hard to concentrate. It's very hard to be productive, you Absolutely. know. Absolutely, you get tired and not. and so you know that's also part of efficiency. That's also part of of productivity, and so it I, uh, for me it was it was a good it was a um, a good addition, and then it just. Um, I find it easier to sell products um, over services because either you know you want the, the the widget or you don't want the widget. Services is a bit more you know complex. You know sometimes you really have to show people what the benefits of your services are. But with a product, you either know like okay I need pants or I don't need pants. You know it's it's <laughs> it's more it's more simple. Um, so that was the really the motivation for. Um, getting the blinds, I just really wanted to add a product, an efficiency product into our lineup, um, along with some of the other things that um, I haven't invented in my mind (laughs) 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 and have yet to put on the market.
1: The joys of being an inventor entrepreneur.
2: (laughs) Oh, yes. I've got a million napkins just kind of sitting around me right now.
1: (laughs) I love that. And that actually lends itself nicely to this next area that I'd love to talk about, which is home life and work life. So you said that your mm-hmm. entrepreneurship journey started to be able to have more flexibility to care for your for your kids and, and having mm-hmm. your second child really motivated that. What yeah. has it been like uh, tangibly now being a mother and an entrepreneur? Um, mm-hmm. What's life like? How do you keep a semblance of integration and and dare I say, like balance in your life?
2: Well, I don't, I don't think it's easy for anyone. I think just being an entrepreneur is, you know, in itself, probably the definition of chaos. Um, (laughs) But you add, you know, motherhood to that or parenthood to that, and it just takes it to another level. So I think for me, um, my kids are uh, really, we're all very close uh, and just being open with them and, they know when I'm in my office that, um, you know, I'm working and, you know, they shouldn't, but sometimes <laughs> they'll do, um, you know, come and ask me questions or if they do, they'll, they'll be really quiet about it. Um, so I think, you know, just being really, uh, having those lines of communication open and getting them to really understand that this is a job and, you know, it's it's uh, it's serious and, you know, Um, this is what I do on a daily basis. My job isn't, you know, a nine to five where I leave the house and drive away somewhere and come back. This is, this is it. I get up, I get dressed sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) I come downstairs and, you know, and I turn on the computer and I go to work. Um, and they're used to that now. I mean, it's, it's been the second go around, um, for me as an entrepreneur, um, but yeah, I mean, some people need to go as far as putting up a schedule just outside of their office. Um, I've, I've advised many moms to do that because they, a lot of people don't take them. And when I say people, I mean their families, their extended families, you know, don't take it seriously when they, they start to work um, at home or on their, on their own. And so they really have to be um, definitive and, and clear about, you know, this is a job. And this is this is what I'm doing to make a living and that you know it needs to be taken seriously and respected. And some of them go as far as putting up the schedule, you know, I'll have a break around one thirty, you can come and talk to me then, or we can talk about the house then or whatever. Or um, at five o'clock I'm done and you know, everything shuts down, the phone goes off and you know, you have my undivided attention at that point, but you really have to um, draw some lines in the sand when it comes to um, your your family and, you know, your workspace and really make, make those boundaries clear.
1: And when it comes to how much time you spend in each bucket of life, um, do you have boundaries around your work and how it bleeds into everyday life? Um, what's that mm-hmm. like for you?
2: Well, for me, I mean... It, I'm strict with my, my daytime hours. So I mean, my kids, my one son has graduated from university, so he's pretty independent and he's, um, you know, he's at work work full time during the day. Um, my other son is at, in school during the day, so that's great. But I remember when he wasn't in school, I had him in childcare because there was no way I would be able to get things done. Um, if he was at home, because they need your attention too, right? You can't tell yeah. them, well, you know. Mommy's no, working. <laughs> yeah, they don't, that means nothing to them. You might as well, you know, speak. Um, gibberish. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I was going to say whatever the Ewoks speak, but that <laughs> gibberish is fine. Um, yeah, and so you, you really have to make some decisions about, you know, how you're going to handle um, that aspect of your life. And you know, if you if you're in a a job or if you're doing work that you know you can't have distractions, then you need to find um, a way to kind of get rid of those distractions. Um, And that might mean daycare or or bringing someone in um, to entertain them while you're while you're at work. Um, As far as um, balancing it all. All out. I'm at the end of my day. I go pick him up. Um, there are a few hours where uh, he's doing his homework and I'm still working. And he sits in my office on my my bench and he does his homework or on the floor. Uh-huh. Um, and I do my work. And then after that, I go cook supper. And and at bedtime, you know, there are no interruptions there. I turn my phone off, or at least I don't have any business calls. Um, and then. I come back down after he's in bed because there's always still something to do or you know something you have to post. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's usually social media. That's my social media time. Yeah, <laughs> it's the scroll post time in the evening. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, you try and bounce it as as best as you can. Um, but I'm really strict about holidays. We don't work on civic holidays. The office is closed. Um, on Christmas, I take my breaks um, in the summer. we try to do something you know fun. and I always make time for his soccer games, or you know if he has plays at school, if they're having field trips, I volunteer when I can. So you know um that's the beauty of having that flexibility that you're able to 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 create your own schedule and um, and and determine what it is that's that's important for you.
1: Thank you for so much for sharing that and, and so candidly. Um, I, I do really appreciate that. And half the time I'm asking these questions because I know one day I want to start a family and I'm so curious about how others do it. So I really appreciate <laughs> that. Now, my last question for you um, is one that I ask all of our guests. And mm-hmm. that is, what advice do you have for our listeners to thrive in their business and their lives?
2: Now, I think... Uh, We kind of touched on it before, but just being really clear about why you're in this business, why you're doing this particular business and what really got you started in the first place. Because like I said, there'll be a lot of distractions and a lot of doubt. You're going to get a lot of doubt doubt internally. You're going to get a lot of doubt externally, Um, you know, from family, from friends, you know. Uh, for a lot of a lot of people, unless they see that that cash on the table, it, you you don't have a business yet. Yes. <laughs> but, and so they take you for granted, or they think you know it's just a hobby. Oh, you know she'll get over it. Um, but there's a build up to that. I don't I don't know of any situation, maybe one or two, where you know the, you just hit gold um, the, right out of the gate. It usually takes a few years to build it up to that to that point, where it's self sustaining. Um, so you know just really be clear on why you're doing this and you know what you want to see come out of it and where the benefits are for the people that you're 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 serving or the people that you're doing this for. Um, because again if there's you know if you're not really solving someone's problem or helping them um, in some way then it's kind of hard to keep going and and kind of hard to pe- for people to really latch on to what it is that you're you're trying to accomplish. I think for women in particular, um, we have different challenges than our male counterparts. And, you know, you really have to understand what you're bringing to the table, really know what your value is, because again, there'll be a lot of people out there that want to knock it down and, Mm -hmm. you know, doubt, and and what's not, and you'll yourself, probably doubt yourself a million times before you finally say, okay, you know i know this is this is good and and, and somebody's going to get something out of this um uh, yeah and just and make sure that your family is on board and it's uh, you know it's a family thing it's you know they often say weight loss when you're trying to lose weight the whole family on a diet i don't yep. personally <laughs> i don't personally <laughs> diet I don't, but you know it's that whole concept It's like the whole family is an entrepreneur it's it's uh it's the team team sport. (laughs) It is. It absolutely is.
1: Well, thank you so much, Cara, for all your insights and for sharing all that you have with us today. I so enjoyed having you on the show.
2: Thank you very much. It was my pleasure. And thank you. uh,
1: Thank you yourself for your comments. It was uh, really encouraging. Thank you for joining us this week on the Thrive Podcast, where we help women entrepreneurs start and build thriving businesses. Thank you to the Startup Canada production team, BDC, and Scotiabank for helping us elevate women entrepreneurs. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash women to download the playbook, Resources for Women Entrepreneurs, with a comprehensive list of support for you and your business. And visit startupcan.ca for the latest episodes of the Startup Canada podcast, hosted by Rivers Corbett. Make sure to visit Corespace, K-A-U-R dot space to learn to better integrate work, wellness, and impact into your everyday life. Until next time, I'm Gomal Minhas. It's time to thrive.